0: Hey, thanks for joining us online. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors around here, and I am honored to get to share with you this weekend as we continue our teaching series, you can quote me on that. Now, for the next few months, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus' ministry, Jesus' teaching, and we're going to pull some truths out of them that we can apply to our lives. And so I just want to start by asking a question. What would make you happier? Seriously. Ask yourself, what would make you happier? What would you add to your life that would add happiness to your life? And maybe you're on vacation right now with your family and you're at the beach, and I'm not very happy with you. I'm kind of jealous, to be honest. Or maybe you're walking around your neighborhood right now listening to me. Ask yourself that question What would make you happier? There was a survey done of thousands of men and women in the United States, and they were asked that very question, what would you add to your life to make you happier? And the top four responses stood out to me. And here they are. Here's the fourth most popular response. It was to be young again, to go back to their 20s and 30s and maybe 40s and and take some mulligans on some big life decisions they made along the way. And, And maybe some of you are saying, amen. The third most popular response was to have more time, more more personal time, more alone time. And anybody with young kids at home knows the desire for more personal time. And the second most popular response, you probably could have predicted this, was to have more money. Some people even wrote in the responses, I want a million dollars, I want 10 million dollars, because evidently they discovered the secret to life that the more money you have... All of your problems just magically go away, right? And the most popular response was to look better, to be more attractive. And some people even wrote in the response, I want to look like a model, or I want to look like a supermodel. What would make you happier? And what stood out to me from those four most popular responses to the survey was that they were all about self. They were all about me and how I could create happiness from within, how I could find real happiness in my life if I just created it myself. And and it shouldn't have surprised me. That's the world we live in. Self-reliance is the key to success. It permeates our world our families, our friendships, our society. And now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that hard work is a bad thing. I believe in work ethic. There is nothing better than taking responsibility for your life. But what I am saying is that a lot of times we have a tendency to rely on ourselves instead of relying on God. We have a tendency to believe that we can create happiness from within if we just find the silver bullet that will do it. Uh, There was a a guy who'd been uh, dating his girlfriend for a while and they were at the end of his date and they were embracing at the end of the date like you do. and, And he embraced her and he said, baby, I may not have the cars, I may not have the businesses, I may not have the money, I may not have the mansion on the hill like my friend Frank But baby, all I got is love, and that's all you need. And his girlfriend embraced him even closer and through tears says, Oh, sweetie, would you introduce me to your friend, Frank? (laughs) Right? Come on. That's funny. That's funny. All right, here's what Jeremiah says about all of this stuff. Here's what Jeremiah says. Cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans who thinks he can make it on muscle alone and sets God aside as dead weight. He's like a tumbleweed in the prairie, out of touch with the good earth. He lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. In other words, if you rely too much on yourself, you're like a plant who tries to grow without soil and without water. It's pointless. Now, I'm not going to spend all my time uh, convincing you that you have a self-reliance problem. That's between you and God, all right? But the truth is, I think we all have a tendency, we all have a tendency to rely on ourselves more than we rely on God if we're not careful. And we all have a tendency to look for happiness from within when that was never and will never be how it's supposed to work. Jesus, in his famous Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, he's surrounded by a crowd. Because at this point, when he starts his sermon in Matthew chapter 5, people kind of knew who he was. They knew that he had done some healings and he was teaching some revolutionary ideas and he had gained quite a following. And at the start of his sermon, this is just fascinating to me, he sits down. You ever notice that? He sits down. Most rabbis and most people you know who would speak, they stand up to speak and people would sit. But Jesus sits down and he starts his most famous sermon of all time. People are are waiting in anticipation for what Jesus is about to say. And And here's his opening line. This is his introduction. Look at this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I mean, come on, Jesus, right? The least you could have done is, like, maybe healed somebody first, or done some sort of like levitation magic trick, or something like that, or, or had Peter come up on stage and tell some jokes, or you know, sing some songs or something. But this was his intro, and at, and at face value, when we read this, we think, okay, it's pretty anticlimactic for an introduction to your most famous sermon, right? But when we dig down into it, what we realize is that Jesus' words, this quote from Jesus was actually super powerful. And and here's how. Let me just explain what's going on here. the The people who were around Jesus listening to him, they had spent centuries. Their people had spent centuries. They were the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, God's chosen people. Dealing with the same self-reliance problem that you and I have. Chapter after chapter in the Old Testament, you see them trying to find fulfillment, trying to find salvation from within. In fact, at this point in their story, in the story of the Jewish people, they were ruled over by the Romans. They were ruled over by the Romans, and, and they actually felt like from within, someone would rise up and take their land back take their kingdom back. Was it Jesus? Maybe. And not only that, but if you were a good Jewish student in school, if you were a good Jewish student in school, here's what would have happened when Jesus started his sermon. The moment when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, what do you think they would have been thinking? A light bulb would have gone off in their mind, and here's what they would have thought of. Cursed is the strong one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans, who thinks he can make it on muscle alone, and sets God aside as dead weight. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are the poor in spirit is what Jesus is saying here. But what in the world does poor in spirit mean? Listen to this. This is one of the most fascinating parts of this teaching of Jesus. Listen to this. What does poor mean? Well, when Jesus is talking about this, yes, at some point in time, the word poor could have meant under-resourced, kind of like we use it today. But when Jesus spoke these words, rabbis in the first century were using the word poor, and this is the definition of the word poor when Jesus used it. Check this out. Don't miss this. Physical or spiritual poverty and the faithful dependence on God that it often produced. Did you catch it? Physical or spiritual poverty and the faithful dependence on God that it often produced. To be poor meant to be physically or spiritually needy to the point that a person had no choice but to fully and completely depend on God for his or her well-being. Happy are the spiritually poor. (laughs) Happy are the spiritually needy. Happy are the men and women who rely on God instead of themselves. What would make you happier? And if that's the case, how do we do that? How do we become people who are poor in spirit? If that's where the kingdom of heaven is, how do we become people who avoid our our normal self-reliance problem and start relying on God more in our lives? Well, I think it starts with making two declarations. Two declarations that you can make today, you can make later today. I'm going to give you time at the end of my message to make these declarations. And what these can be, these can be your very first steps toward relying on God, toward being in spirit, because that's where the kingdom of heaven is. So here's the first declaration we make. I will depend on God's wisdom, not my own. I will depend on God's wisdom, not my own. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. How many of you can think of a time in your life When you set out to do something, and you thought it was wise, and then you found yourself in the middle of it, and all of a sudden you go, oh, man, not so wise. It happens all the time, right? It happens in our financial lives. We listen to bad advice. We make a mistimed investment. It happens in our parenting all the time, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself, you try some new parenting trick and it backfires in your face. Or, or you go and read some mommy and daddy blog and they give you these great ideas and you go and try them and, and they don't work. You thought it was wise, but it wasn't. Happens in our marriages. Happens in our friendships. Anywhere where there are people involved, this goes on because we have a tendency to make decisions from our gut instead of based on God. And the truth is that God is full of truth and wisdom. And your gut, well, your gut is full of fill in the blank. I don't know what you had for breakfast. And these decisions that you make from your gut, they feel good in the moment. But months down the road, years down the road, days down the road, you find yourself in a situation you didn't want to be in because you made a decision based on your wisdom and not God's wisdom. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And and, and my personal example of that was when out of my own free will, okay, out of my own free will, I decided I was going to run the Chicago Marathon. Now, I have heard preachers and I've heard speakers get up on this very stage and they talk about their marathon running experience And they eloquently talk about all of the spiritual lessons that God taught them, and they almost sound like the Apostle Paul when they're talking about their marathon running experience. That was not mine. That was not my marathon experience. Yes, God taught me something, but I kind of wish he hadn't. Here's how it went. I I came home from work one day, and I was all excited. I I walked in the door, and I said, baby, baby, I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon. And I listed off all these things and reasons why it was a wise decision. I'm gonna lose weight. Aren't you, aren't you happy about that, baby? I'm, I'm gonna lose weight. I promise I don't call my wife baby that much, but this is just for the story. Uh, baby, I'm gonna lose weight. Or I'm gonna do something big with my life. I'm gonna feel accomplished. So that'll probably make me a better husband, a better father. And I'll, you know, I'll cross something off my bucket list. But uh, the truth is, I never had run a marathon on my bucket list. I didn't even really have a bucket list. I, I was just excited. I was just excited. And to give you a little backstory and context for what was going on in my life, we had just purchased a new house. We had a newborn baby. My wife had just started a new job. I was in the middle of grad school. Our families were 16 hours away so we didn't really have the extra help which meant there wasn't a whole lot of extra time to go around. And then I come home and I say I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon. And I don't know what my wife said to me. All I know is that the next Saturday I was on the path training for the marathon. And I and I'll bore you all the details of the next few months of training. I I had pain in muscles I didn't know I didn't know I had. And I get to the marathon day. It's it's start day. It's everything I'd been training for. And and I'm in this corral. You know what I'm talking about? It's this corral of thousands of other people who months before had come home from work and told their significant other that they were gonna run the Chicago Marathon and how wise of a decision it was. And the gun goes off and, and we start the race and mile one, mile two, mile three, I feel great. Mile six, mile seven, I'm feeling good. Mile 12, mile 13, 14, 15, and then then mile 16 hits. Now, I can't really describe to you what happened at mile 16, but but something happened. And and I started hearing all of these voices in my head like, why did you decide to do this? Why did your wife let you do this? You're not going to finish this. All of this self-doubt creeped in, why did you think this was a wise decision? And every time I sat down to get a drink of water or stopped running, it became harder and harder to get back in the race. Mile 16 was hard. But I decided I had sacrificed so much, I had come home that day and said, this was a wise choice, I am not giving up. And so I pushed those voices out and I started running. And in my mind, in my mind, I'm running full speed. I'm at my training speed. I'm going to get a great time in the marathon. Nothing can stop me now. I'm going to run the next 10 miles at this speed. My pace is great. And I kid you not, I kid you not, I look over to my right. And in my mind, I'm running full speed, okay? I look over to my right, and there are two women in sketchers with curved bottoms, speed walking right past me and it was like in that moment God gave me the object lesson of a lifetime that sometimes you might think something leads to life and it's a good idea but it could lead to death it wasn't so wise conviction by sketchers what about you what about you? Think, think about your own life. And maybe it's not a marathon race and, you know, it's not as, not as funny as that. Maybe, maybe for you, you are going through something right now. You're dealing with the consequences of a decision you made that maybe you thought was wise. Maybe you didn't even think about it. And you're in the middle of it and you're dealing with the consequences. And maybe for some of you, if that's you, you're thinking, uh, you know, God, there's no way God could be with me. There's no way God could love me after making a choice like that. And I I just want to tell you, God has never stopped loving you. He's never stopped loving you. Yes, he watched you make that choice, and he was yelling, no. But he's been with you the whole time. He hasn't stopped loving you, and he just wants you to come home and be renewed and restored by him because it is never too late. You might think it's too late. It's never too late to start relying on God's wisdom instead of your own. Listen listen to this verse. Listen to this verse. It's so great. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. It is never too late. Listen, it's never too late to allow God to make your paths straight. It is never too late to start relying on his wisdom and not your own. So that's the first declaration. I will depend on God's wisdom and not my own. here's, Here's the second one. I will depend on God's strength, not my own. How many of you have noticed, how many of you noticed that the older you get, maybe it's just me, but the older you get, the more tired you get? And now I'm only 36, and for those of you who are older than me, you're thinking, "Uh, just wait, just wait, buddy, it gets worse. But I find myself getting tired where I wouldn't get tired before. I used to be able to stay up late binge-watching Netflix shows and drinking coffee at midnight just to stay up to, to play video games. Don't judge me. I'm a millennial. It's what, it's what we do. And now I am an embarrassment to my old self. Very rarely do I go to bed past 10.30 p.m. Uh, you know, and I, I even say things out loud like this. I say things like, yeah, I don't drink coffee past a certain time during the day. I mean, who says that? I say it now. I mean, my family and I might as well just start eating at 4.30, eating dinner at 4.30. We don't, but we probably should. The AARP special at Shoney's is right around the corner. When's the last time you ate at Shoney's? That, that's just how I feel. I feel, like, I feel like I don't have the strength and the stamina that I used to. I, I get tired easier. Actually, this is, this is how I feel right now, to be honest with you this is how I feel. We, we, uh, we homeschooled our daughter over the last year, and so uh, who, knows, who knows what second grade is going to be like for her. We're going to be embarrassed. Here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here, here's what I don't want you to miss. Your strength is finite. God's strength is Infinite. Your strength and my strength is limited. God's strength is unlimited. Your strength is exhaustible. That's why we're exhausted more so than we used to be. God's strength is inexhaustible. And I'll I'll just be candid with you. These last few months for my wife and I, they, they've been hard. They've been challenging. And, and we find ourselves depleted, spiritually sometimes, physically depleted, emotionally drained. And, and I think it's because over the last year and a half, we, we couldn't go see family who live so far away because of the pandemic. My wife and I lost, we each lost a grandparent in the middle of this. We homeschooled our daughter, like I said, which was just exhausting. And, and what's happening, what has happened is we've been reminded of our finiteness. And I think as the, as the world has started opening up, we have started feeling all of those emotions, all of the stuff that we have had to push away, just because we had to be resilient and get through it, and now we're feeling it, and, it, and, it, and it's heavy, you know? Uh, do you feel that way? Maybe you do. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. And maybe it's not exactly like my situation. But maybe right now you're, you're dealing with uh, financial hardship. Or maybe you're a college student or a recent college grad and, and, and you're facing student loans and an uncertain job market and economy. Or maybe you're somebody who, uh, instead of your parents taking care of you, you're now moving into that stage of life where you're taking care of your parents, do? Or maybe you're a business owner and, and you've got some decisions you're trying to make and, and you know that those decisions have implications not just for your employees, but for their families and their kids And listen, if that's you, if you're dealing with something like that, where you are reminded of your finite strength, let me just tell you, you were never meant to go through that stuff on your own. You were never meant to go through financial hardships on your own strength. To deal with the job market or uncertain economy on your own strength. To take care of your parents on your own strength. To make business decisions on your own strength. That is not how God intended things to be. Listen to these words. They're from the prophet Isaiah. Those who hope in the Lord. This is just beautiful. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The truth of the matter is, God designed us to find our strength in Him. That's how it works. That's what, that's what being poor in spirit is all about. And when we do that, we will soar on wings like eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint. But but how do we do it? How do we do that? There are Two things. Two things I want to share. The first is this. We will walk before we soar. We're going to walk before we soar. And, And as I was studying for this message, there's something in that verse from Isaiah that I had never noticed before. And maybe it's just because I'm not, you know, the biblical scholar that I should be. And maybe you've seen this. But check this out. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And watch this. They will soar. They will run, and they will walk. And now, I know he's got it in reverse order, but do you see the progression here? And and as I was thinking about things, as I was thinking about my family and I, I realized that this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it because we're going to start by walking. We're reminded of how weak we are, but we're going to start by walking, and we're going to trust in God's strength, and we're going to realize, oh, okay, this is good. And then we're going to run. And we're going to go to church again, imagine that, in person. And we're going to serve in kids' ministry again like we used to. And we're we're going to even go to small group in person and reconnect with all of the people that we had been so disconnected from for so long. And we're going to realize, oh, wow, yeah, God's strength is powerful. And And then listen, listen to this. Here's what's going to happen this fall. this fall. Parkview, I believe this with everything I have, we are going to soar. We are going to see God do more than we ever could have imagined him doing because we are going to tap into, we're going to tap into God's power and God's strength because that's what we were intended to do in the first place. And I cannot wait to see it. That's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to walk Before we soar, second thing we're going to do is we're going to admit we need his strength. We're going to admit we need his strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, here's what Paul says. I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Here's the deal. Uh, To be happy, to be blessed means to be poor in spirit. And, And that's where we find the kingdom of heaven. To get there, it starts with making two declarations. I depend on God's wisdom, not my own. I depend on God's strength and not my own. But before we do anything, before we do any of this, before we make these declarations, there's this mind shift that has to happen. And we have to admit that we have a little bit of a self-reliance problem. And we have to admit that that we need God's strength. Most mornings, most mornings, I um, I read scripture and I pray and I think and I, I kind of write some things down. And I say most mornings because I'm not perfect at it. I'm not like you know super spiritual. But for the last couple of weeks, I, I've kind of been thinking about this message in the mornings and I've been reading scripture and talking to God about it. and And this particular morning, about a week and a half ago, I was interrupted by some birds chirping. And when you hear birds above you chirping, you look because you don't know what's about to happen, right? And I'd seen this nest being made. I'd seen uh, two birds carrying twigs and string and all all the sorts of things that you use to to reinforce the nest. I'd seen it being built, but then I just kind of forgot about it until this particular morning. When I hear chirping, because eggs had hatched. And I look up in the nest, and, and you've, seen, you've seen a nest with baby birds in it. You can see little beaks. It was kind of above my head up on a light, and you could see little beaks sticking out the top, little beaks sticking out the top, waiting for mommy bird to bring breakfast home. And what I noticed is that these birds in this nest were completely reliant on their mom for their well-being. They, they were reliant, and they were dependent on somebody else to take care of them. And as I was thinking about this message, it, it dawned on me, and listen, I'm not one of those people who, you know, who's like the romantic, where I like go to the ocean or I, I look at flowers and all of a sudden God speaks to me. That, that is not me, okay? But in this moment, what I, what I recognized and what I believe God showed me was that yes, eagles are going to soar, and yes, Jesus' followers, are we're going to do great things for God. And no matter how successful someone is, no matter how many great things somebody does, here's what's true of all of us. We all have to start in the nest. We all start in the nest. We have to start in the place where we recognize we cannot depend on ourselves. We have to depend on God for our well-being that's where I start. That's where you have to start. And I recorded recorded those birds that morning. I took my phone out and I recorded it. And and so here's what I want to do as I close. Over these next 20, 25 seconds or so in this next moment, I don't know where you are spiritually. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time. Maybe you're, you're just exploring faith for the first time or you're somewhere in between I want to challenge you to make these declarations to God in this moment. I want to challenge you to tell God, God, I'm no longer going to rely on my own wisdom. I'm going to rely on yours. And I'm no longer going to rely on my own strength. I'm going to depend on yours. And I dare you to say that to him and watch what he does. Check out this video.